Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Teaching today, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. So if you want to turn on your Bible or turn in your Bible uh, to Isaiah 38, if you're in a paper Bible, it's pretty much right in the middle. And for an introductory thought, an idiom or a phrase is going to come up on the screen that I think you've probably uh, heard before. It's this, the final nail in the coffin. Have you ever heard that? Oh, that's the final nail in the coffin. I've heard it probably most regularly in a sports situation where a team, it's not going really well, and then like the opposite football team that's going to win, they think, oh, they're going to win anyway, and then they'll just score another touchdown, and they'll say, that's the final nail in the coffin. It's an event that causes the failure of something that had already started to fail. Other examples? I had a friend doing business stuff. This has probably been 20 years ago. And business was rough, had some financial difficulties, was working, 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 trying to not go bankrupt. And then there was an economic downturn. And that economic downturn and one business thing, and it was the final nail in the coffin. I think I have heard uh, stories of relational times, marriages, where things are rough, things are not going too well, and then uh, especially, hey, here's some advice too. Don't have an affair. That was free. I just gave that to you. Just Because that can be final nail in the coffin. And if you've had one, don't have two. If, if you've had two, three or four, at some point there is a final nail in the coffin, right? Some of you are like, wow, I never thought of that. I'm just stuff. Um, Hopefully, spiritually, you've never had a final nail in the coffin. I would guess you haven't, or you wouldn't be, you know, watching online or attending church. Where I want to head with this, and this might take a little work on your part to shift there, final nail in the coffin. With God, I don't think it's a thing. And what I want to say is a lot of times in the natural realm or in the world, we'll think, oh, yeah, that's the final nail in the coffin. But a lot of times with God, it's really not. Like, there's an Old Testament character named um, David. And he goes through a bad time, makes some really poor decisions. He lusts after another woman, and then he goes ahead and commits adultery with her. and, And then she gets pregnant and then he makes plans to cover up his sin which is the wrong thing to do and then ultimately he murder has his the 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 woman's husband killed and then a prophet comes in and confronts him and you would think final nail in the coffin but it actually wasn't you'd think david no more kingship for you but he gets to keep moving on he repents and moves on as king There's another story of God's people. God's trying to get them to the promised land, and they begin to whine during this journey through the wilderness. And they whine, and then they whine some more, and then after that, guess what they did? Then they whined again, and they just kept whining, and God gets so frustrated. And you would think God just might just say, no more God's people, no more promised land. 
And he actually, there was a group of people, it was the final nail. <laughs> but God's plan kept going into the promised land. He didn't wipe out all of his people. Paul, if you read the New Testament, you'll read the writings of a guy named Paul. And he was persecuted a lot for his faith. And there are different times you'd think, well, surely he'll die this time. Or surely this will be the end of his ministry. And he, he'll get, get whipped and flogged and beaten. And there's a, at least a time where he was shipwrecked. In Acts 14, some Jews uh, get this crowd to be super frustrated. And it says that they stone, they stoned Paul which that's an old-time way of executing a person. Uh, and it, that's not little pebbles. That's like they would gather a ma large group of people and get big rocks, and they would basically throw them at you and pelt you with them until you were dead. So they stoned Paul, dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. Final nail in the coffin. Nope. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. So what I'm trying to create here is the idea, and, and if you can grab onto this, a healthy faith, a healthy understanding of God resists this is over. That's what I would submit to you. A, a healthy understanding of God when it looks like, that's it, we're done, nothing left here, it's dead, a healthy understanding of God, a healthy faith, has an awareness of resisting that. Because it may not be or doesn't have to be over. So hold that thought. We're in a series called Hope. And today we're going to look at, for me, an uh, 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 interesting text. Because there's a man in it named Hezekiah. Hezekiah is actually one of the really good kings of God's people. Some commentators said, described him as one of the three perfect, one of the three perfect kings of, of Judah. He was the king of Judah. And it's going to look like the end is here, final nail in the coffin, because God himself actually sends a prophet and says, you're old, you're going to die. Which, by the way, like if God says it, you would think, well, then that's going to be reality. But listen to this story. Isaiah 38 says, In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Dun, dun, dun. Like that's it, right? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord says, the God of your father, uh, the Lord, the God of your father, David says, Look at this. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life. Isn't that something? 
and I will add 15 years to your life. So the title of the talk is, It Ain't Over Till It's Over. And what I want to explore is, what in the world did Hezekiah do to get an extra 15 years of life? Now, this does not just apply to our biological, physical life. Because my guess is there are certain things in your life, two things, two things. One, you might be in a situation where you think this is dead or this is dying. And there are principles we're going to look, out that, look at that may just be the keys to reviving that. And the other thing is you may have some good things going on in your life. At some point, they may be threatened. And these are the kinds of things that can protect the, the really good things that God is doing so that they won't be over too soon. Does that make sense? So for some of you, there might be something really relevant right now, like this whole like something's dying thing, or maybe something's amazing. My hope is that uh, these principles will guard us or give us hope and help us in lots of areas of life. So let me pray, and we're going to look at a couple things Hezekiah did to get 15 more years. Let's pray. Help us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Every once in a while, I like to throw that prayer in there. In case that's not in your spiritual tool belt, phenomenal prayer. It's the, hey, Lord, we acknowledge we need your help. All right, amen. We need your help. So two things that I see here that, that, that gave arguably gave Hezekiah 15 more years. The first one is he got 15 more years by refusing, we're going to say refusing the obvious. Refusing the obvious. And this is the thing that you would think is super obvious because when God says you're not going to make it, you're going to die, you're going to die in that bed, you would think, well, it's pretty obvious that this thing is dead. But in the text, it says, Hezekiah, this is what we'll focus on for a minute, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. And so I was exploring that. My first thought was he went to like in Jerusalem, like the Wailing Wall. Maybe if you haven't heard of that, that's okay. But there's a thing, this big wall where people go and they pray. And so I thought, oh, he turned his face to like the Wailing Wall of Jerusalem. But that's probably not what happened because he's on his deathbed and he's right, gonna, God has said, you're not going to recover. So he's probably just in his bed. And so here's the image that came to my mind. When the prophet comes in and says, get your house in order, you're not going to make it, this is the end, this is what I think he did. He turned his face to the wall, which meant he turned his back toward the bad news. You can write this in on your handout. When the bad news was introduced, Hezekiah turned his back to the naysayers. I'll pause for a minute. So, when a prophet comes in and says, get your house in order, my guess is over the next few days or however long, like some of his advisors or people in charge would come in and say, seriously, Hezekiah, we got to talk because you're going to die and we need to figure out what are we going to do with the army when you die? What are we going to, who's going to replace you? Who's is it? And what it would indicate to me is he's like, Oh, ever, anybody remember when somebody would say, talk to the hand, like you would want to talk to somebody, they'd be like, talking to the hand. In other words, don't care what you think, not listening to your voice. Ah, la, 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 la. 
I think it's what he did. So people are coming in and go, seriously, we need to talk about this. And the Lord says you're going to die. And he turned his back to them, face to the wall. Zip it, Skippy. Don't want to hear the bad news, not listening. That's what I think he did. He was, zip it, Skippy, right? Isn't that a thing? No, did I make that up? I like it. Zip it, Skippy. Okay. He basically took, he took a, it's a practical and a spiritual stand of refusing to let this pronouncement stick. And he's basically saying, I'm not going there yet. And I'm not giving up. And you say that this is dead, but I'm saying I'm pushing back. Silly story. I was in high school, maybe starting college, had a group of friends, great group of friends, and we would go camping back by uh, the, the river and pretend we were outdoors people and all that kind of stuff. So we would take sleeping bags and we'd spend all night and we'd build fires and we would go fishing at times. We didn't catch a lot, but sometimes we'd catch some fish. And one of the things that we would do is if sometimes if we caught a fish, then we would uh, decide we were going to eat the fish and we would roast them over the open fire thing. And so that meant we would basically take a stick and we'd put it in the mouth of the fish and then we would dangle the stick over the fire and we would roast these fish in theory. So anyway, here's a picture. This is not, we never caught a fish that big ever. Nor did we ever catch, catch like seven of them. But it was that kind of a thing where the fire's there and you would take the fish and you would put it over and then the plan would be eat. So I remember one time where somebody caught this little catfish, you know, yay big, and somebody was like, oh, let's cook it. Okay, so they, we got the stick thing, and we hung it over the fire, and I'm telling you, this thing had been roasting like the, the cooking process had begun, and I don't remember it was Jeff or Brent, somebody got this bright idea because the fish, like by all, it was like, it was dead, like by all appearance, you know, it's got a stick rammed in its mouth and it's been, and, and Jeff, I'll say it was Jeff, Jeff was like, I'm going to bring it back to life. And so he did that, I still just remember, he took the fish and he grabbed the fish and, you know, it was a bunch of goofy high school guys, and so he laid the fish out and he began to do CPR on the fish with like his fingers and a stick, he's like going, okay, you guys know it's going to work. We're like, what are you doing? We're laughing. What are you doing, you crazy? And he's like going, you know, dun, 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 dun. And then he would pick up the fish and he was blowing in its mouth. <sighs> doing this stuff. Come back to life. Fish this whole thing. And, we, and so we were probably mocking him or whatever, but he kept doing this thing because he was... I don't know whether he believed it, or, but he was convinced, like, no, this fish is going to live. And I still remember, he took it down to the river, and he was doing, like, the revive the fish thing that fishermen do. He's like, you know, he's just got to get the water in the gills, and they'll be okay. And so he's doing this thing, and we get, and the reason I'm sure, the reason I remember the story is because I remember hovering over the top of, I'm saying it was Jeff, maybe it wasn't Jeff, and I remember when all of a sudden he said, he's alive. And, what is and, and that, that fish started doing this thing in the water. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. He's got roast marks on one side. And it, the fish started doing this thing. And long story short, eventually, he's like, he did this thing and he let it go. And the fish went, mm, and went out and swam out into the end of the river. It was, it, it was crazy. 
And so here's, what does that have to do with anything? There's probably going to be a time in your life, maybe there has been already, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to have to be the oddball who, instead of accepting this is over and this is dead, and you're going to have to say, I'm going to, you're going to have to say no. That's it. You're going to say, no, it's not dead. And there are, this is really serious, there are things in your life and in my life and in this world, they desperately need someone to refuse or to work hard to make it live. Marriages. Too quickly in our culture, people are saying, just let it go. And there are times when you need to say, I'm going to make this thing live. People. Where people will give up on them. And they will discard them. Or they will say, just quit praying for them. Or quit caring for them. Or don't give them another opportunity. And there will be times when you will say, I'm going to be the one who says, I'm going to make this thing with everything in me live. Emotionally, there are times... We accept I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Emotionally, we're living in a world where we are sometimes too quickly giving situations and people tags or titles or negative identities and so, like examples, well, you're bipolar. Uh, well, that's that. You have an anxiety disorder. You're done. You're ADD. And here's the caution here. The caution is we let those things get too strong of a root or an identity, and that, and you need to decide, oh, here, some of us have to decide at times when the naysayers and the you've got to turn your back on that. I almost said a Christian cuss word right there. Crap. That's a Christian cuss word. You can use it if you want. You've got to turn your back. I can't believe it. Is this online? I'm so sorry. You've got to turn your back on some of the crap stuff that's being said about you and that could stick to you. And you've got to push your face toward the Lord who will say, I have a plan for your life. Don't let that thing grow into some big death sentence. Come on, you got all this going for you. Yes, you may have some anxiety, you may have some, but that is not a death sentence to us. And sometimes if we're not careful, it can become this huge anchor thing instead of just a challenge that through God's help we end up overcoming. Does that make sense? And so sometimes you really gotta decide. Sorry, I said crap back then, but you gotta say, that's, I'm not listening to that. You may be aware of it, then you're like, that just talk to the hand, and you decide, I'm going to live. That's, it's a thing. It's true. Oh, well, can I say that? If you're not connected to the body of Christ, you're like watching online or, what, or, or, or get connected to some good Christian people who will see, I can almost get emotional here, huh? 
who will see what God sees in you. Because folks, we, there is a God who cares. He identifies. He doesn't just see the, the difficulties. He sees your strengths. He sees what you bring to the table. He has a plan for us to be part of his redemptive work in the world. Connect with some people that will help bring that out in you. John 10.10 says the thief. This is a little theology for you. It says the thief. That's Satan, the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you go on with that text, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. So if the, if the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, how do we resist some of those negative voices and those things that will take us down and be a death sentence? The, the key comes in J, the book of James where it says, resist the devil. The word resist, right? Turn your back that way, face toward God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Just, I'll wrap up this point quickly. That word resist is a strong word. It means to set against, to withstand, to oppose. It is a 180 degree contrary position, and it's actually a, a military war term. So it is very aggressive resistance. If you want to explore this, uh, a time where I think Jesus did this in Mark 5, you can study where a father's little girl is dying. So he, I would say, runs to Jesus and says, come and help my daughter because she's going to die. And uh, it takes too long for Jesus to get there. The, daughter, the daughter's already dead. By the time Jesus gets there, there's a group of people already crying and mourning because the girl has died. And when Jesus gets there, he went in and he said, just explore this. The child, look at this. He said, the child is not dead. Can I just tell you? The child was dead, but Jesus said, the child's not dead. That's just interesting to me. And then the people laughed at him. See, these are the naysayers. They're like, you, you idiot, that's dead. And he says, it's not dead. And then the thing that I love about it is Jesus kicks them, kicks them out of the house. He removes them. You know, he doesn't just say, talk to the hand. Then he says, get out. Well, we're here more. And I don't know how he did that. Get out of the house. Don't want you here. And then he goes in, right? And the girl lives. Hezekiah got 15 more years by refusing the obvious. One other point. He got 15 more years by prioritizing prayer. He prayed to the Lord. It's just not resisting something. It's focusing on prayer and praying and seeking God. Remember, I would argue that this was not just a quick prayer this was probably more than the prayer I prayed 15 minutes ago. Help, Lord. I think it was longer than that because um, he's talking about life or death. So here's the idea you can write in. Hezekiah responded to a serious moment with serious prayer. And for me, you know it's serious when Hezekiah begins to list his credentials and spiritual reasons why God should keep him on the earth because he's been faithful. This is, a, this is a new point for me because typically I would say when you go to God, you never give God your credentials. You don't say, because I'm good and because I've done this and because I've generally a humble posture is the best place to go. But apparently, 
Part of this picture is Hezekiah, if you go back to the text, he says to God after God says, yeah, you're done, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion. I have done what is good in your eyes. He makes this case. God, I don't, I'm uncomfortable even saying this, but he's like, God, wait a minute. This isn't perfect. But he's like, do you remember all the stuff I've done? There's almost a little bit of you owe me. Look, remember who I am? And there's a great argument for, this is who I am. Give me more time to be faithful and do all these things. He's following the commands. He's obeying. He's a great king. And so apparently there's a place for this in our prayer life to say, Lord, I've been faithful. I've been praying. I've been serving. I've been, you know, God, I've been a phenomenal, I'm doing great parenting. I am sharing the God, all those things that you may be doing. In Psalm 119, there's another writer who does the same thing. He says, look at my suffering and deliver me for I have not forgotten your law. Defend my cause and redeem me, God. Many are my foes who persecute me, but I have not turned from your statutes. He's given this spiritual resume to God to convince him, arguably, to say, Lord, I'm worth keeping on the planet and that kind of a thing. Now, here's a tension. Side note. If you don't have a spiritual resume, you're in trouble. In this point, you're in trouble. Because, and I'm going to push this just a little bit, if you don't have a spiritual resume, if you don't have, if you can't look on your life and back on your life and have been faithful to God, you should absolutely start today being faithful to God. Am I saying you'll be perfect? Probably not. But faithful doesn't mean perfect, it means faithful. So, do you, have a, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you pray? Do you show up to church? Do you love your neighbor? When right and wrong come into conflict, do you fight for right? Those are things that faithful people do. And according to this verse, that'll help you a lot. And if you don't have it, get started. Because you do not want to stand before God and say, I got nothing. That's a bad place to be. Now, you can still cry out for his mercy and and should, but that's not the story here of Hezekiah where God gives him 15 more years. So you can write this down. When a situation becomes desperate, don't forget to remind God of your deeds. Three groups of people listening, watching right now. One group, you're doing it. You're living spiritually strong. I'm going to interject an idea here uh, of living an aggressive spiritual life. I think that you you could describe Hezekiah. He lived an aggressive spiritual life in a good way. You're doing it. There's another group of people who you used to do it, and today's the day you're going to re-up to do it. And there's another group, today 
This may be the first day in your life you're, you're going to like get serious about God, which today is a great day to get serious about God. So what we're going to do now, just a reminder, right? We, God, Hezekiah got 15 more years by refusing the obvious and by prioritizing prayer. And we're going to move into a different time, a different way to close. And I'm going to ask Great Pro, if you're online, just stay. Can you stay with us for another three minutes? I'm not asking everybody to stand for closing prayer. We're just going to pause. And we're going to give room for the Holy Spirit to either tap you on the shoulder or grab you by the collar in the back and shake you and say, it is time to get spiritually serious. And if God does that for you, to you, your opportunity is when that is happening is to stand before him. Just, just, you don't have to do it right now. In a moment, we're going to bow our heads and I'm going to pray. But you will stand before him as a commitment to spiritual seriousness. Okay? So let's bow our heads. A lot of times I don't ask us to bow our heads, but today I am. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit. We give you the rain or the rains in the room or in that home where people are watching at Grape Road, God. And I ask that you would make it clear to people that you're calling today to a first time or a new level of being way more aggressive and intentional spiritually. And now if you're listening, folks, and God is challenging you and you are willing to respond, you just stand wherever you are. You just pop up out of your seat. It's going to take you a whole second, but you're going to lean forward. You're going to stand before God as a sign to him that you are making a change. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're at home, even if you're, you know, watching with someone else. That, by the way, if, if you're going to be aggressive spiritually, it takes times like this where you, you stand when it's hard to stand. Like if you can't do this, don't kid yourself. You're not going to go get, if you can't do it in the house of God where people love you and are praying and are encouraging, you won't be able to do it at work. So thank you for the people that are standing, Lord. For those at home, if there's somebody standing, God, pray blessing on them. For Grape Road folks. Anybody else? Yeah, if God's talking to you, the right move is to respond. I just had a picture come to mind of a, of a I think like a 16-year-old. If you're like 16, 17, 18, if you're young... Oh, God would look down, and who knows what he would do with a 16-year-old with a who just decided to be serious about God. Don't wait for us old people to do it. We're, we're you know, 
We need you, 16-year-olds. Okay, so now for the rest of you, if, if you're in the auditorium or at Grape Road, if you would just open your eyes, look around the room, and help me pray for these people. You can stay seated, but we're just praying. God, we pray a blessing on everybody who's standing right now. If this is the first time or the 15th time they've said, I'm going to live seriously for God, we pray the Holy Spirit and power and blessing on them. They will need your strength, your courage, and I pray, God, that, they, that you would write a story with their life that is, I'll ask it, that is as, as unusual, perhaps, as Hezekiah. Write some story with their life that would make people take such note. Whether they ever become famous or not, it doesn't matter. But, but just do something great with their life. That they would be effective in helping others or do something a blessing just for them give them another 15 years of goodness in that area of their life in Jesus name thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church weekly message podcast we pray you were impacted by this message God bless and see you next time